0: We're very excited here at uh, the station today because uh, a very distinguished guest has uh, given a few moments of his time with us. Uh, Nigel Kennedy, so nice to have you back in Detroit. It's
1: great to be back with you. And I'd just like to mention that the that Beethoven Coda is still going on while yes, we talk. Yes, it is. Somewhere. It was recorded in 2009, but it was finished in 2010. Yeah, wasn't that's it? <laughs> right.
0: Uh, I want to start right off the bat with something that I think we have in common and that is uh, the football teams of which we are fans. You're, <laughs> you're poor Aston Villa. Yeah, um, and
1: who do you support? Well, the Detroit Lions. And is that a, f- and, a new franchise or like? Um, no, they've
0: been they've been around forever, but they've never been to the championship.
1: Well, I mean, well, we've been in some pretty inauspicious circumstances, and now is one of them. You know, we've been relegated a, a, a month ago. We're that bad. We haven't got as many. We haven't even got half the points of the second-to-bottom team.
0: I I know. I looked. I looked it up. Yeah. It and was, you know, uh, you can't
1: buy your way into the league in England, except metaphorically. You know, you can get relegated if you're not good enough. Then you have to go into a lower league. So, you no, know, we should be in the kids' league at the moment. Then we might <laughs> win something. You know, <laughs> take it out on the kids. I should I should stand
0: corrected before our our, our listeners uh, get on my case. We did win a championship. We haven't won a, a Super Bowl, the Detroit Lions. But you're you're we're talking about the Premier League soccer team of which you're you're wearing one of their jerseys.
1: Well, yeah, actually two of them. Two. Of them. I, I'm I'm a very proud person. <laughs> good,
0: good, good, to have a spare on hand. Yeah, but it's uh, great
1: to be with you. I, I've not been to Detroit for 18 years. I think it has been told to me by Leonard Slatkin, who. We're doing some lovely work together at the moment, and it's just exceptional. You know, the Hall is one of the great acoustics of the world, better than Carnegie, I reckon, on an acoustic level, that you can hear everything on the stage. Mm. Leonard is so perceptive and open-minded with his approach to music that he's interpreting my compositions and giving them a new clarity and a new life. So it's just a wonderful experience being back here.
0: You're going to be doing two concerts this week, Friday night and Saturday night, both at 8 o'clock. Yeah, Saturday and...
1: will be the one we get it right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so all of you people who have tickets on Friday, it's still, come on down. Oh, no, It'll it's okay. more
1: experimental, mainly mental. Be...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that Maestro Slatkin is a good part of the reason why you're here.
1: Very big part, because like to be able to play my repertoire, one needs to have because I'm coming from different, um, fairly varied musical backgrounds. And, like, um, Leonard is obviously a wonderful piano player as well. He's a great interpreter of the American Songbook. He's um, done so many diverse um, styles of music. And that has transferred to the orchestra, who've picked up my stuff even before they looked at the pages of the music. You know, they're so quick. We have got a two-and-a-half-hour recording, I mean, not really. Rehearsal mm-hmm. session today without in two hours. You know, this is fantastic. I can get some lunch.
0: Ah, there you go. Yeah, we're very proud of our <laughs> That's work.
1: why I've come here is for the
0: lunch. <laughs> That's all right. Well, it's good that our station manager is here because he can pick up the tab for you. Uh, Thanks,
1: man. It's lovely that you're here, mate. Isn't it? Yeah. And you've dressed up for dinner as well.
0: <laughs> he, he comes to work like that every day.
1: That's phenomenal.
0: Uh, you started with uh, Fats Waller in a way, didn't
1: you? Yeah, when I was a boy. And my mum got remarried to my stepdad. That was part of their record collection. And um, he's been part of my life. I love that type of enjoyment of the music that, you know, serious doesn't have to mean solemn. And I think in classical Mm. and jazz, quite often people have a fallacy in their approach that they think they've got to be solemn in order to be perceived as serious. Whereas Fats Waller was an amazing harmonic composer, amazing piano player, but the good times just spring out of the grooves of his old recordings Mm -hmm. and it feels like you're in the same room and those rent parties that people used to have. You can feel that vibe and why not? You know, you can have a great time and play music which has got some value to it. Uh, and still, while you were
0: a young boy, uh, you got the attention of Yehudi Menuhin and, and got into his I still his am a
1: young boy, man. I'm a younger boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah musicians never have you, to grow up, uh, that's it, you know?
0: it. Pe- I'm speaking with Peter Pan, who will be yeah. appearing with the Detroit
1: Symphony. Yeah, the Cliff Richard of my time. <laughs> 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 Dreadful. But like, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, coming through the ranks of violinists and musicians, meeting someone like Yehudi Menuhin was uh, a big, big privilege because he was open to Indian music and met Ravi Shankar at a time when the Beatles still thought that India was a type of rubber. <laughs> and like, um, then he was hanging with Stefan Grappelli as well. So he was very Catholic and open and I don't think I'd have been able to be involved in so many genres of music if I hadn't have been under the wing of Yehudi for a certain amount of time. Well, speaking of that, it was uh, uh, Stefan Grappelli with whom you made your Carnegie Hall debut. Isn't that right? Against all the advice from my doctors and professors. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you know, I went there and said, listen, my professor, Dorothy DeLay, because she really advised me against doing this. Like, she said, don't do it because... um, CBS, as they were called in that time, won't give you a contract if you're seen playing jazz, it's the wrong type of music. So I went to Stefan, I think I was about 17 or 18 at this point, 17 I think, Mm. and I said, listen man, I can't play with you, my professor told me not to play with you. And he got in a little bit of a huff and went on the stage and I looked at a bottle of whiskey in his dressing room Drank half of it and then staggered on the stage and everything ended very nicely. But wait, see, wait a minute! You know, and then CBS who, didn't give me the contract, so she was completely right. <laughs>
0: who, who who drank the half bottle of whiskey? Was that you or or Stefan? Oh, I drank it. Oh, you drank yeah, it. Yeah, because okay. like, it was for nothing. I see. It was free. Well, there you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can't look a gift horse in the mouth and not drink a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> well, yeah. you you weren't. Without... Children don't take any notice of this. That's interview. right. Don't try You're this right. at home. Yeah. Uh, but you weren't
0: without a contract for long because uh, it was in 1989. If I'm getting ahead of st- the story here, I mean, feel free to correct me. Uh, you recorded, and I remember when this happened because I, I've heard, as have so many of our listeners, the Four Seasons a bazillion times. And you hear it again and over and over. And all of a sudden, I heard coming over the radio this recording of the Four Seasons, and it was, wait a second, what's going on here? And there was just something, the energy, the verve, the uh, the excitement in this recording, and it was yours, it sold 3 million copies so far.
1: It's a shocking amount. You know, I've been in sports stadiums, and I can picture 80,000 or 100,000 people, but I really can't picture, if you imagine <laughs> eggs or something, to picture 3 million, Three eggs, million of anything. Yeah, or yeah. burgers or something, you know. And, like, uh, it's really hard to do that, even if you imagine Pavarotti eating them. It's still hard to (laughs) imagine (laughs) three million of them, with French fries, of course, Uh, (laughs) and a bit of pasta, probably, in his case. But, like, um, I went into the record company at one point, having played the Four Seasons for the first time, and obviously the music industry, if we want to call it that, or music business or those horrible names that people call this beautiful subject um it was full of three minute singles that's how music Uh, had been sold for a long time and so i thought well this is perfect for the modern day this the structure of the music they're all short movements they're high energy the melodies are memorable it's phenomenal orchestration but most of my mates who don't like classical music at all who i go watch for soccer with like they actually quite liked Vivaldi because it didn't last too long <laughs> it had its saving grace that yes. it was over before it had started but people could sing the melodies and they could get into it and it's a perfect format for how popular music music was being sold at the time and so I went and I said look look at this music check it and I, I wanted to do something which was a bit more three-dimensional than this so-called um, authentic uh, stuff which is not authentic at all because straight away you're playing in a big hall for more than about 40 people then it's not authentic anyway you know so it's a you know to to base something on the technique of how you play it i think is really immature you know one should be into the qualities of the inherent inherent qualities of the music that's what really listening to casals play Bach for instance that is not so-called authentic but can you hear better Bach than casals or Glenn Gould or after Grumio, let's say on the violin, you know, you can't hear better Bach than that, and so you know this whole business of getting wound up about how technically you approach it is shouldn't be the the business of people who are paying to enjoy it. You know, it's like if you go into a restaurant. And the chef comes up to your table and says, I put a little bit of this and a pretty little bit of this and it's very good. You know, I mean, you just don't wanna know. It's like get away from my I table w- I'm trying to have a candlelit dinner with a lovely girl or something. Hopefully. Maybe less than lovely and you're still satisfied after a couple of bottles of wine. There you go. <laughs>
0: That was French you were doing. Yeah, those, yeah. Right? yeah. I
1: mean, us English, we can butcher any language.
0: <laughs> well, we've we've done all right on this side of the I Atlantic, mean, I, too. I,
1: I can speak a bit of Polish, but, I mean, that's butchery as well. Jan <clears> Popolsku. <throat> oh, mawa Popolsku. Jak uh, come see, come sir. Voice oh, yes, propulsion.
0: No, I, that's it. I've I've blown my. Repertoire. Okay, you've done it, but it sounded very convincing. Well, thank you. Well, if you only have one sentence to learn, you can practice it quite it's a bit. Enough. I mean, one I,
1: should know cheers in every language, or you know, uh, 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 bon si- appetit. <laughs> you know, have you noticed how we don't actually have a real, um, a real, how to enjoy a meal? You know, bon appetit. What do we say? You know, enjoy. It's almost oh, like here, a command.
0: Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Yeah, exactly, it it always annoys me a little bit. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, we should have our own thing. We, you're right.
1: You know, you're like right. Like The a food bit long. is really quite atrocious. <laughs> 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 um, uh, uh,
0: uh, Certainly, you know. How I've did, diverged, haven't I? Well, that's path. all right. We're having down a lot that of
1: culinary. It's your fault because you started putting down that like recipe with pork which actually is yeah. the one thing i don't eat so it oh, was is that right completely redundant for well, me it's more for yeah. me so then, thanks for that get me some fish mate all right <laughs> we'll see what we can do we got a recipe for that too beautiful how, how did poland come into your life well i went over there first and i was just stunned by the commitment that people had to the music and the working ethos that you know it wasn't unionized to the same degree so the clock would be ticking on but people wanted to finish perfecting the interpretation and it wouldn't hit one o'clock and then it's over mm. um also the jazz movement really seduced me a lot because like jazz was the freedom music of the people instrumental jazz the censor could not censor it because they didn't know what it was about so all the students would be down in the clubs listening to these wonderful musicians like Schmietana or muniaka of a great polish movement and so it was a real raison d'etre for jazz to exist it wasn't just something where some yuppies go to like impress some business contacts it was like a real real life yeah so i loved the country and the aristocracy and the technique and the heart that the Polish people had for classical music and still have to a large degree although it's become very westernized and you see mcdonald's and deutsche bank and tesco and horrible swarovski and it's just really not the reason i went to poland i went to poland to see polish people not to see loads of english and germans you know well you
0: can get them anytime
1: well yeah we got i love germany and i love england you know obviously i'm still living in it half the time but like um i don't need to see more people like um on their stag nights doing whatever they do which is not so great for the beautiful architecture in a town like Krakow you know it lets down the British people doing stuff like that
0: Um, my guest is Nigel Kennedy he's playing with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra this weekend Friday night and Saturday night both concerts great orchestra fantastic we like them we like like an amazing spirit yeah we're we're very proud of them and we're very happy to see you back after 18 years it's a big honor Uh, You can get more information at dso.org, that's dso.org, or call the box office at 313-576-5111. The program includes a work of yours uh, called Dedications.
1: Yeah, I mean, my part, my involvement is playing some of my music with uh, Leonard and the orchestra, and wonderful improvising cats from the local scene, wonderful guitars, piano, the percussionist from the orchestra, yeah. and their dedications to people who've really opened my doors of perception and my heart in music. So Yarek Shmiertan, a great jazz guitar player and writer, band leader, who's no longer with us because he used too much mobile phone and it done something in his head. Um, then there's like um, one for Isaac Stern, who was such... A truthful play you know you couldn't listen to him without hearing the truth there was absolutely no peripheral I can't use the word in this time of day but, we, you know, we'll imagine it yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's not DS it's another yeah letter it more a, earlier a in the alphabet sort of a, you know. a <laughs>
0: Kind of a a bovine. Yeah, and he was. Yeah, exactly that kind of bovine stuff.
1: Okay. A bovine refuse. Yes. You know, and like. uh, I think we know what we're talking about. Yeah, Stern was devoid of that quality. It was just he was like a laser with his heart and his analytical mind that he could just play on a level which I think no one else has reached apart from maybe Fritz Kreisler in earlier years. Uh And uh, then the next one, the third one in the collection is. Stefan Grappelli, who we've mentioned a little bit earlier, who opened my mind for the possibility of improvisation and actually enjoying while you play. And the last one is for Mark O'Connor who's still with us, thank God. Very much so. Most amazing player, winning all the adult competitions of Nashville when he was 12 and he doesn't waste a note, and he plays so lyrically. He's a wonderful artist.
0: So each of these four movements, just to, to be clear, in your composition called Dedications, dedicated to each of these musicians, exactly, uh, is, is it more Nigel, or are you are you taking some of their melodies and doing it in the style of...
1: Well, it's all my stuff. Of course. But it's influenced on an emotional level and possibly on a slightly stylistic level that the one I've written for Stefan Grappelli, the melody is completely suited to him. And actually, when I first wrote it, he was just in his very last year and he came into the recording studio and recorded it with me. So Mm. that was a wonderful um, uh, scenario for me. Um, Isaac Stern, he used to give me lessons sometimes and, you know, there was never any mention of money in this. You know, he was just helping the young generation out of a uh, natural altruism, um, the first one, Shmiatano, I've yeah. mentioned him. So it's all people who've had amazing big hearts, generosity, honesty. I've played with Mark O'Connor many times ago. We did a, um, a Lonesome Pines special, which was a TV thing on PBS, and like was uh, Jerry Douglas was on it, and wonderful Edgar Mayer, you know. Mm. so wonderful crew of players lovely people
0: well I, I, there are a lot of people that I know because I've gotten uh notes from our listeners about how excited they are that you're back and that they're they're counting the the minutes to their their concerts
1: uh uh the seats uh oh well thanks man we're ready to rumble I think we're gonna <laughs> you know we're gonna I, deliver something
0: are you gonna yeah. wear that at the concert
1: um no i've got a yellow one from aston villa ah. from one of their most gruesome periods of time <laughs> on a fashion level <laughs> speaking speaking
0: of fashion now i i read a story and i'm sure there's all kinds of stories out there and and some are some are good stories and some are are actually true but uh when you were in your your learning years not that long ago, when you were, you know... Still learning, still, mate. Still learning, you that's know, right. You Music never is one
1: of them fortunate things, isn't it, that you, you can you, learn for the rest of your life, yeah.
0: You had a teacher who was very fastidious about making sure your tie was right, your jacket was right. Horrible, yeah. And then, uh, but you, did, you, couldn't, you didn't like playing with your jacket. No. So what happened when she well, sent, launched you yeah, on the stage? Yeah, she launched
1: me onto the stage. The door closed, and then I just ripped the jacket off <laughs> and the tie and then This is with the audience out there. With the audience that they saw me doing it. Uh-huh. And like, then I put the jacket on before I went out of the stage. And so she was the only one who didn't know I'd done it. <laughs> and so I played really comfortably. And then she saw me a little bit disheveled. And she said, what have you done? You must have been playing hard there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, she was the only and, one not in the know. You know how many so concerts
0: did you get away with that?
1: Well, in the end, she knew she couldn't get me to put that thing on. So they just dropped it. I mean, you know, the jacket was horrible. I mean, you, you can hardly move. I mean, how can you bow the instrument in a yeah. thing which is restricting you across the shoulders? And, you know, Yehudi Menuhin himself always told me that the instrument should be an extension of your body. And so if you've got all this stuff around your neck and you've got the clothes in between you and the violin, it's really not a healthy situation. If you look at good players, whether it's Mars Davis, Coleman Hawkins, Lester Young, Brendel, the... the instrument is an extension of their body there's no barrier between the instrument and the player well i think so, we can ladies and gentlemen you do not need to wear jackets for my gig that's it <laughs> now wouldn't that be
0: people could it, this might be a little submersive. i'm not suggesting is, 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 a nudist colony no for this no music, no no know? but but maybe maybe you could come in a detroit lions jersey would you? Would that be appropriate?
1: I'd have to do a quality control yeah, first. You I know, see. A, a bit right. of a check on it, you know, because right. uh, you know we have to be quite partisan about which teams we support. But ah. if, you know, but if the colors, I mean, Detroit is maybe with New York, my joint favorite city out of America, because I think you know the Motown, which has come from here, the amazing cultural life, the fact that this. Paul is one of the greatest in the world. There's many things which make me always think of Detroit in such a fond way. So maybe this jumper might be a very good, (laughs) but what color is it, mate? uh, Well, they call it Honolulu Blue and Silver. Honolulu kind of sky blue. It's a
0: uh, it's uh, it's a little less. It's a little less than the blue in your your jersey there. Less. Well, not quite as bright. How can
1: it be less blue? It sounds like you know, kind of well, blue. It's uh... a <laughs> midnight blue. <laughs> <laughs> Let, I mean, let we're your... getting very esoteric here. Like, yeah. kind of, we're out there, aren't we? It's going to be—it's
0: <laughs> it's, going to be a fun couple of nights at
1: Orchestra Hall. Oh, like I can't it. wait. And I understand going with it.
0: that you came here just for this. You're going back just to... for
1: this. Then I've got to go going tours, but that's how musicians are, isn't it? Like, go—we're uh, all over the place, metaphorically and literally. Yeah. You know, it's like, but it's wonderful just to come here, concentrate on playing my very best with Detroit Symphony, and then go back and face reality in England. Well,
0: Nigel Kennedy, we're so honoured to have you here. We're so excited you're here. It's been so much fun talking to you. It's been wonderful
1: catching up with you, man. And, like, everybody, come to the gig. Come to the gig. um, I've got a little bit of um, some encores, which might be a bit of a surprise. So, so, Ah. you know, just come and, like, you know, with my gigs, I really prefer it that people don't predict exactly what's going to happen. You know, with a live concert... Anticipation, yeah, this magic of what might happen is the um, real selling point for live music, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, you know, whenever I've gone and seen Prince, for instance, what you know, or James Brown or Brendel, you you don't know what's gonna quite happen. There's always something unique on the night.
0: And uh, one more note the the Saturday night concert will be webcast at dso.org if you want to. Uh, take a peek if you can't but get a ticket that's Come why i down. said
1: we're going to get it right on the night there you
0: go <laughs> <laughs> so much fun having you with lovely uh, we'll, to be with you man we'll go out with another gig uh from one of your pals this is uh, stefan Grapelli oh, at brilliant. his 85th uh, anniversary concert in carnegie hall
1: phenomenal and he just got younger and younger when he picked up the violin he looked 40 years younger than when he was not playing he yeah. was a phenomenal spirit like yeah. that
0: nigel kennedy thank you for coming
1: great to see you mate
0: Nathan Grapelli, Bucky Pizzarelli on uh, guitar. And all God's children got rhythm from his 85th birthday. He was 85 in Carnegie Hall doing that and at the top of his form.